Well, good morning. Good morning. Oh, first time I got a response. <laughs> I'm not really a response kind of person. It's great to have um, Adeline here or Chappie Addy here this morning. Uh, we've been praying for and thinking about a chaplain at Mount Gravatt State School for maybe two years, I think. So it's great to have you here join us and have you at uh, Mount Gravatt State School serving there, uh, being a light for Christ to all the kids and staff and the parents. As we think about our community, our local community too, uh, just letting you know that there's a men's shed service happening this morning and uh, the men's shed at Mount Gravatt, they meet during the week and uh, quite a few of our men are uh, uh, connected to the men's shed. It's a great place for men to get together and socialize and also keep their minds busy and also it's a great place for men to share and be an example uh, for the gospel to other men. Uh, who haven't heard the gospel. So they're having a men's shed service at St. Bart's uh, this morning. Uh, it's great to pray for them. Uh, I believe there would be quite a few non-Christians who would be at that service too. So it's a great uh, chance for them to hear of God's love for them in Jesus. How about we pray for them and also as we come to God's word this morning. Lord God, it's great to gather as your people uh, to sit under your word, uh, to hear and be refreshed, and to be challenged by your goodness to us, seen in Jesus. Uh, Lord, we think of the men's shed uh, service happening at the moment. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'd be convicting hearts for Jesus uh, at that service. Uh, those who are attending who may not know you, Lord, may you be uh, working in their hearts and minds, showing them of your love for them and their need for Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Our Lord, we pray the same thing for us this morning as we come to your word. Lord, we pray that you would teach us, remind us of your goodness, your love, your saving grace, and Lord, challenge us and refresh us as we continue to uh, walk and live in your ways uh, for the glory of your Son, Jesus. Uh, we pray that you would teach us, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we begin today, uh, let me ask you, what do you think of when you hear the words, led by the Spirit? Some of you might think it's those charismatic Pentecostal churches, maybe it's the emotional worship, singing experiences, maybe it's about tongues or other gifts. Some of you again might think it's about spontaneous, flexible, ditch your plans, Go with the flow, being open to God's promptings. Some of you might even think it's about guidance, seeking God's leading, following what we might refer to as God's calling or God's will in a situation. Sometimes this phrase even becomes something mysterious and secret, something that we can't reason by human terms, and we use the phrase, led by the Spirit, either sincerely and honestly or even cynically, led by the Spirit. Someone once told me a story of how she was thinking of buying a house, and she says to me, I was led by the Spirit, and I got into the car, and I just drove where the Spirit prompted me to go, and where I ended up, that's the house that God wanted me to buy. Well, led by the Spirit, it's a phrase a topic of great contention. And depending on what your background is, you might love this phrase 
all your spider tingles turn on at this phrase. And this phrase, this topic, brings out the extremes in the church today. In some circles, there's an overreach. The phrase has warped in meaning. It's gone too far. It's used wrongly and too often. And rather than being helpful, it's become a hindrance and sometimes even a heresy. But in other circles, on the other side, I think there's an underappreciation. The phrase, it becomes a bad word. The spirit's not talked about. And uh, when we talk about it, it's been frowned on. When the reality, as we look at God's word uh, of the Bible, is that it affirms the work of the spirit. And it affirms the truth that disciples of Jesus are led by the spirit. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to unpack this phrase, this truth, a disciple of Jesus is led by the Spirit, and we're going to God willingly redeem, set straight, and put into the right perspective what being led by the Spirit means. Because, you see, God has indeed poured His Spirit down to His people. His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in us he lives in every disciple of Jesus. And that means all followers of Jesus, all disciples, all Christians, all believers are indeed led by the Spirit. And we're looking at uh, this passage, Romans 8 today. Uh, just to give you a bit of context, Romans chapter 1 to 7, Paul, he's been unpacking the heart of the gospel message. He says, chapter 1 was sinners. We deserve death, but we're being saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. We're in Christ. Romans 7, the chapter before this, unpacks what this looks like, being saved by grace in Jesus, but living in a world that's still marred by sin. And this tension of, I want to live for Jesus, but I still sin, I still live in a sinful world. And we come to Romans 8, and it addresses this by talking about the work of the Spirit in a believer's life, a believer who lives in this world where we're made righteous in Jesus, but we live in a world marred by sin. In fact, we know today's passage highlights the Holy Spirit because 14 times in these 17 verses, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. He's mentioned in different ways, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of life, all of these referring to the one and same Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity of the Godhead. But as we get to Romans 8, it may not be what we expect it says. Paul starts in verse 1 with this grand statement. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, now, when you're saved by Jesus, united with Jesus, enjoying salvation with sins paid for in Jesus, that's the message of Romans 1 to 7. There is no condemnation. You're freed, liberated no longer under the power and dominion and the burden of sin. There's victory 
for the fall of Jesus over sin and death. The word condemnation, it's a legal word. It means not under punishment or in ancient times the removal of a curse, not under a curse anymore. Obviously, he is talking about the curse of sin. It's removed in Jesus. And this is the starting point as Paul launches into a discussion about the Spirit of God, outlining the Spirit's work in those who are in Christ Jesus. And today there's five truths that we're going to see about what a disciple who's led by the Spirit looks like. Today's passage is not an exhaustive outline of the Holy Spirit's work, but it does give us a corrective picture into what the Holy Spirit is doing in our world and in our lives today. And we find the first truth as Paul keeps going in verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You see, verse 2 explains verse 1. We know this by the word for. And the reason why there's no condemnation for those in Jesus is that believers are freed from the power of sin. And this reality happens, obviously, in the saving work of Jesus on the cross but it's also affected in us by the work of the Spirit. When the Spirit who brings life enters into you, renews you and frees you from the power of sin. Verse 3 explains this. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, we were once, when on our own, under the weight of the law, the law that we could never keep on our own, which leads to sin and death. But God worked. He sent Jesus, who dealt with sin, as he died on the cross, taking sin's penalty and punishment. And when we accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour, the Holy Spirit enters into us, works in us, helping us to do what we could never do on our own, to fulfil the righteous requirement of the law. That means to both positionally be seen as righteous, holy, and pure by God, but also practically, we have the ability now to obey God, to say no to sin in our day-to-day -day living for Jesus. That means that when we're saved by Jesus, united to Jesus, we're disciples led by the Spirit, having been set free from the power of sin, enjoying life in the Spirit and not death under the law, clothed in righteousness in Jesus and not sinfulness in the flesh, and being free to obey God and walk in the Spirit and not being held captive by sin. So in other words, without being saved by Jesus, united to Jesus, and being led by the Spirit, 
which, by the way, all three of these things, they are all inseparable, they go hand in hand. All we know without these things is sin, flesh, and death. But when the Holy Spirit works in us and enters us, a renovation takes place, a transfer takes place from the power of sin to life in God, life in the light, in the Spirit. You see, we're freed from this flesh-sin-death cycle, and we're freed towards life, righteousness, and a real ability to obey God. That's the work of the Spirit. That's what it means for disciple Jesus to be led by the Spirit. It's a reality that every and each disciple of Jesus experiences. It's not an optional extra. And it's a reality that if you haven't experienced it, God invites you today to be saved by Jesus, united to Jesus, and to be led by the Holy Spirit, being set free from the power of sin. As we keep going now to our second truth about being led by the Spirit, verse 5 to 11 builds on from verse 1 to 4. Have a look in your Bibles at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. In these verses, uh, we see Paul, he's setting out two ways to live, live according to the flesh and living according to the Spirit. You see, it's not non-believers, believers, and super-spiritual believers. You're either or flesh or spirit out or in, not a disciple or a disciple, under sin or under grace. You're a disciple who's led by the Spirit, or you're not a disciple. And Paul's two ways to live, it goes like this. Those of the flesh, they set their minds on things of the flesh, and this mindset leads to death. But those of the Spirit set their minds on things of God, of the Spirit of God. And this mindset leads to life and peace. Verse 7 continues. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. He keeps going, those of the flesh, they're hostile to God. They don't submit to God's law. In fact, they're so attuned to the world and the flesh that they can't submit to God. And this aren't just the really bad people. It was all of us, each of us without God on our own. They don't belong to Christ at all. But those of the Spirit, the difference is this. God's Spirit lives in you. God lives in you. Christ lives in us. And this changes everything. We're no longer hostile, but we're at peace with God. We can now submit to God's law. We can now please 
God. You see, a disciple of Jesus, led by the Spirit, sets their minds on things of God, of the Spirit of God, life, peace, obedience, and pleasing God. And all disciples of Jesus, each and every one, are people of the Spirit, people led by the Spirit, people setting their minds not on things of the flesh, but things of the Spirit of God. For those of you who know, uh, I love basketball and the NBA finals. That's American basketball. Uh, finals are going on at the moment. Uh, team out of team is a best of seven game series. And the thing about sports is that you go for one team or the other. You wear the colors of one team or the other. There's no middle ground. There's no two jersey wearing. wearing. And it's like that with the flesh and the spirit. You're either of the, of the flesh or of the spirit. There's no middle ground. There's no two jersey wearing. At one stage, we were all part of team flesh. We were all staring down sin and death. But those who are part of team spirit, disciples of Jesus, you set your mind on things of the spirit, enjoying life, peace, and freedom to obey and please God. You see, it's time to redeem and to clearly define why what being led by the Spirit means. Because I want to be part of Team Spirit, and I think you do too. And if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm led by the Spirit. You're led by the Spirit, setting your mind not on sin, but on things of the Spirit of God. Paul keeps going. He finishes uh, this section uh, from the end of verse 9 up to verse 11. And while it's a whole section that starts in verse 5, I separated this morning because I think it gives us another quick truth about the Spirit of God. Let's have a read from the end of verse 9. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Our third truth this morning is that disciples of Jesus led by the Spirit means knowing that you have life in Christ. You see here, Paul, he zooms into the nuts and bolts of how salvation works. And he says that's, that it's the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit who gives life. For Christians, uh, we know that while our physical bodies are dead, uh, being part of the old, sinful, and fleshly world, but because of the saving righteousness of God worked in Jesus, the Spirit is life. He's the giver. He's the effector of life. And we can be confident of this because it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, who powerfully worked resurrection life, 
in that tomb, on that grave, who dwells in God's people today. Jesus was raised, so we can have confidence as the Spirit lives in us that we will be raised too. A disciple led by the Spirit means knowing that you have life. You have life assured it now, and you look forward confidently, expectedly, to life immortal and incorruptible in heaven for eternity. As I uh, mentioned in the beginning, this phrase, led by the Spirit, uh, I have mostly personally come across this uh, phrase of a very emotional and experiential meaning, almost an airy-fairy meaning, uh, a mysterious and secret meaning. But Paul, he doesn't define the Spirit's work and the Spirit's leading in this way. We've seen that being led by the Spirit, it's grounded in the work of Jesus. It's actually the continuing work of Jesus in us as we're united to Jesus. And the Spirit's work being led by the Spirit, it's about life, peace, pleasing God, confidence, obeying and submitting to God's ways. And Paul, he gets very practical about living and being led by the Spirit in verse 12 and 13. He says, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul says, this is the reality for believers, for disciples of Jesus, for people who live by the Spirit. You live this way, not according to the flesh that leads to death, but instead you put to death the deeds of the body, an active, daily, ongoing work to overcome sin. And to do this, putting to death the deeds of the body, drawing on, relying on, being strengthened by the Spirit's work, the Holy Spirit's work who makes it possible for us to say no to sin, to the flesh, and to say yes to obeying and pleasing God. Or in other words, being led by the Spirit means ruthlessly putting sin to death, actively, ongoingly, overcoming sin. You see, we still live today in a world marred by sin. We're in that awkward now but not yet time when we experience God's blessings of new life, but we still live in a fallen world where sin runs rampant and influences all of us and we see it all around us and in the news day by day or being led by the Spirit. I think it's like having access to a spiritual armory, a spiritual armory in the fight against sin, an armory that you never had access to without Jesus as Lord and Saviour. But when we're led by the Spirit, God gives us and he wants us to access this spiritual armory, the Holy Spirit's work in us, 
to be active, to be on the offensive, and to be empowered and strengthened, drawing on the Spirit's work in us to ruthlessly put sin to death in your lives as you live for Jesus. So let me ask you this morning, did you know that being led by the Spirit is actually very down-to-earth practical? It means ruthlessly putting sin to death. And how are you going today in ruthlessly putting sin to death? No one is perfect. We all struggle with sin. We're all still growing and growing and being shaped into the image of Christ. We all struggle with sins, big and small, struggles and habits that are not honoring to God, thoughts and behaviors that are unloving to others. How active are you in ruthlessly putting sin to death? And if you're trying and trying to no avail, how much are you doing it, let me ask, with your own power, your own grit, your own ability? Have you asked God's Spirit to help you in ruthlessly putting sin to death? Well, as we come now to our final truth this morning, you might be thinking, being led by the Spirit, it's hard work putting sin to death. But Paul, he finishes this section reminding his readers and us about how good it is to be led by the Spirit. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. All who are led by the Spirit, that's talking about the whole chapter so far, those set free from the power of sin, those setting their minds on the Spirit of God, those knowing that they are alive in Christ, those who are ruthlessly putting sin to death, those who are led by the Spirit, those are the people who are being led by the Spirit. And it's the leading of the Spirit. It's not just an optional voice to hear the Spirit's opinion, but it's actually about being governed by, mastered by, controlled by the Spirit of God. And verse 14 says, These led by the Spirit people, they are sons of God. No longer slaves to sin under the law, no longer under fear, but adopted into a new family, God's family, with a new future, a new relationship, with a new Father that we cry out to, Abba, Father. You see, all disciples of Jesus, led by the Spirit, are sons of God, part of God's family. That means all who are in Christ are people led by the Spirit. Paul keeps going as he finishes in verse 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also 
be glorified with him. See, the Holy Spirit works in you, confirming, reminding, assuring you that you are a child of God. That means if you can confidently proclaim this morning that you're a child of God because of the saving work of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And if we're sons of God, that means we're children of God. That means we're heirs of God. We're inheritors of God's promise. And that means we're heirs alongside the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And Paul ties off this grand truth with a sobering warning. He says, your sons, children, heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus, what an esteemed position, a position today that believers claim, but sometimes we mean it in a we're so blessed kind of way and a we're so special kind of way. We're sons and children of God, and it is blessed, it is special, because it's a position that leads to glory with Jesus, our fellow heir. But we read here at the end that the path to glory uh, is often overlooked. It's not a path straight to glory that's promised in some churches and cults today. It's a path to glory that's following the person of Jesus, just like we sang this morning in the song, Jerusalem, suffering, then glory, affliction, then glory, discipline and pruning in the words of John 15, then glory. You see, glory is the new and perfect creation. And while we're all 100% saved in Jesus and we're 100% sons, children, heirs of God, we're still not there yet in glory. We still live today in a fallen and sinful world. We're still waiting for that great and awesome day when Jesus comes in glory. And as we wait towards that last day, we're to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, taking up our cross, dying to self, dying to sin, as we follow Jesus suffering before glory. You see, a disciple led by the Spirit knows that they are a son, a child adopted by God, a privileged position, but a position with a call to suffer as we wait for Jesus to return in glory. Well, this morning, I hope you've seen through Romans 8 that this phrase, led by the Spirit, it's not this mysterious, super spiritual, experiential state. In fact, being led by the Spirit or other similar phrases you hear, like living according to the Spirit or walking with the Spirit, they all point to realities that are true for every follower of Jesus, every believer who's saved by Jesus and united to Jesus, is also a believer who's led by the Spirit. Truths and realities, they're about our position, who we are, 
and that about what we are to do practically and what we're becoming. You see, being led by the Spirit, it's letting the Spirit of God lead us, govern us, master us in light of the grand picture we saw in verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit witnesses to us, this is who you are, no condemnation, set free from sin, alive in Christ, sons, children of God. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of what we're to do, setting our minds not on the flesh but on the Spirit of God, ruthlessly putting sin to death, suffering before glory, so that we work toward what we're becoming, no condemnation on that last day when Jesus comes in glory. So as we finish off this morning, maybe for you today, amidst the ups and downs of life, you need a bit of a pick-me-up, a reminder of who, of all God has done for you in Jesus. Well, today, ask God for his spirit to remind you afresh that you're no longer under condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus. Let his spirit work the realities of the gospel and the realities of Christ into your heart and mind today. Maybe this morning you're stuck in a rut, you're stuck in sin, you're stuck in ungodly habits, you're stuck in fighting sin in your own power, you're stuck in worldly influences. Well, this morning, ask God for his spirit to convict you and to work in you, to work in you, to fight sin, to set your mind on God and the things of God, and to live as one with no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Great theologian J.I. Packer, he puts it like this, the Holy Spirit's main ministry is not to give us thrills, but to create in us Christ-like character. To this end, let's be disciples of Jesus, led by the Spirit of God, knowing our grand position in Jesus and working that out as we live for Jesus day by day. Let's pray to this end. Lord God, we're so thankful that in Christ there is now no condemnation, no fear of judgment, no wrath or sin hanging on our shoulders, that Jesus paid it all in our place. Lord, we're so thankful for your Holy Spirit who works in each of us to convict us of your Son, Jesus, to enlighten us to know and trust Jesus, to work out the truths and realities of the gospel into our hearts and minds, to help us in our day-to-day -day fight against sin and fight for righteousness. Father God, help us to know that we all, as disciples of Jesus, are people led by the Spirit. Help us to let the Holy Spirit refresh us of your good gospel 
And Lord, may your Holy Spirit work in each of us so that we can live out the gospel. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.